Let's Talk Care with Casper and Christy, produced in the Ed Center Auditorium. Opinions expressed by guests on the show are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the host or Prometica. Well, welcome. Really excited today. We've got a dear friend of mine and a VP of operations here at Toledo Hospital, Evide Children's and Wildwood, Liz Mahalik. Welcome, Liz. Thank you. Well, Liz, if you want to give us a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself to the people that may not know you, I had the pleasure of meeting you when the Gen Towers open and you were like a force to be reckoned with. And I don't it was know if that's a good thing a or good a bad experience. Thing. <laughs> no, you just, you are just an awesome person to work with and very logical. And it was a big project that was kind of handed to me, I guess I would say, and really caught me up to speed. And I think that's our first big project that we worked together. Yeah. You do a lot here in yeah. operations and, you know, Toledo Hospital is like a little city and it's got multiple buildings and things that need replaced all the time. Tell yeah. us how, tell us about that. Toledo Hospital actually has more square footage to manage than the Empire State Building, if you didn't know that. So it's just about 3.1, yeah, 3.1 million square feet here. I think the Empire State Mil- Building is point seven maybe a little fun fact for you yeah i would say that's a fun fact if you think about like people go there just to observe right right you have lots of fun facts i i do <laughs> I, she is the google queen I if she am. wants to know something she will google it right away and i will that's very inquisitive awesome. <laughs> yes very inquisitive wake up in the middle of the night google something read it for 25 minutes fall back asleep need to know what's going on <laughs> so i've got operations here at toledo have been here for about three and a half years now, I think. And it's, you know, a really fun job. So I get to work with all of our non-clinical teams. So facilities, environmental services, nutrition services, supply chain, materials, trimedics with our biomedical engineering team, a whole bunch of people. It's recently took on the chaplains, which is a new endeavor for me, which is has been really, really interesting and fulfilling to be able to spend a little bit of time with them. Kind of a, a big scope, but who doesn't have a big scope at Toledo Hospital? This place is large, so... Well, now that you're saying that's the Empire State Building, I would say that it's extra large. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, Toledo Hospital is interesting in the way that it's set up, too. You know, we have a whole bunch of different buildings kind of slammed together. I'm sure you guys kind of walk around here and see people lost all the time, right? Mm -hmm. We do our best to try to wayfind and sign people around. But the way this campus was put together, you know, it grew from the original facility on North Cove. And we just continued to add on and add on and add on over the years as we grew. It's certainly interesting to manage and take care of different systems throughout it, but our team does a wonderful job. And yeah, you- most recently we had the elevator renaming and the flooring renaming and legacy. Elev- that I think oh, ele- yes, the floors, yeah. I think threw people off because now we have like floor three and a half, four and a half. Yeah, you know, we put that off. We put the renaming off for years, okay, at least two years. And I'm sure, Dr. Casper, you remember this. We had so many conversations as a leadership team about is there any other way that we can rename these floors? Like, do we have to call them half floors? It just feels so awkward. We went through colors and numbers and letters, and ultimately we just continued to come back to these, the half floors at least. It's numerical and makes sense in some regard, but it still does feel really funny when you get into the elevator and you're pushing a half floor and, you know, poor respiratory is still stranded over there on a half floor in legacy, so... We and feel the goal you guys. was to like match up with Renaissance and Gen yeah. Tower, right? Yeah. So, you know, as the campus has grown, obviously building codes and specifications have changed. So when you go into legacy, the, the ceilings are a little bit shorter, right? And as we built Renaissance, the ceilings were a little bit longer, longer, taller. So the floors didn't match up. So I, I can't recall. You, you've been here longer than I have, I think. What was the, what was the little jingle we used to say? Oh, I remember. Oh. Four and the six do not button. exist. Yeah. Five yeah. and nine do not align. 
Yeah. Yes. Did I get the? Yeah. That might, that might be right. I'm not sure. So those floors never matched up. When we moved to Jen, we had that match Renaissance floors. Then we had to renumber Renaissance because there was no four or six floor in Renaissance. And then we had to rename Legacy. Took us two years to rename Legacy, but we're finally there and now we have half floors. And at least we did it in the middle of a COVID surge. Right. Yeah. Right. While we were open over there. Right. <laughs> I How know. Fun. I know. I know. I still uh, still catch myself calling it Seven South. I do too. I know. I still say the Six North classroom all right. the time. And they're like, where? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I know. It's tough. You were just saying we're approaching a hundred year history here on North yeah. Cove, which is fascinating. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. Nineteen thirty, we moved into onto the North Cove campus, Toledo Hospital. I, you know, don't quote me, but eighteen hundred something, right? The first original Toledo Hospital structure was opened downtown. We moved to Valentine Ketchum. He was a prominent Toledoan. Gave Toledo Hospital a house, and we moved into his house, and that was the hospital. And then we bought a little piece of land on Cherry Street, I believe, and built a little hospital there. And we were only on Cherry Street for a few years, I think. And the board decided to purchase the land out here on North Cove, which at that time was farm fields, right? This was not the city. So built the original legacy structure. I think that took a few years to build and then moved in January of 1930. So pretty close to 100 years over here. And the building is, you know, it's not coming down right now. <laughs> it's sturdy as can be for thinking about a 100-year yeah. building, right? It I doesn't mean, look like a 100-year no, building at all. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? Well, I think that's what's so cool, too, in our maintenance crew. Mm-hmm. When you look at those guys, a lot of them have been here for a long career. Mm-hmm. And I say they keep that place going with Band-Aids mm-hmm. and bubblegum at times. And it's uh, they're amazing at what they do. And we've just got that long history. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You think about what they've seen over the years too. We do have a um, a lot of really long tenured people in facilities, which is amazing. And you just think about how they have to do their work, right? They have to know how to take care of the stuff from the 1920s. Then coming into the North Legacy building in the 1940s and 50s, different systems and structures, and then coming into Renaissance in 2008, and then all the little additions and, and then generations, right? I mean, just talk about a stark difference taking care of the South Legacy building to the Generations building and having to know how to how to manage all of that stuff. Those guys have done an amazing job adapting to that and learning all of that stuff. That's why you see patients or families always walking around and they always look lost. And, and I'd say every hospital is that way because they just continue to add over the years and yeah, generations. Even new employees. I remember when I was here full time and I was like, someone would stop me to ask me where to go and I would not know. And I'd be like, we'll walk together and figure this out. Mm-hmm. But until you find someone else that looks like they know where they're going, and then that's when you kind of hand it off. Right. right. I always say, too, that's a great barometer of the culture of a place, too. When you see employees walk around, and they'll look for patients or family members that look lost and want to go up and say, hey, can mm-hmm. I help you? Where are you trying to go? I still don't know where the Howard Johnson house is. I <laughs> Howard, see the sign. No, Howard Johnson, that's a hotel, isn't it? <laughs> it's oh, that was a that. hotel in, like, the, the 40s. What is the... It's just called the Johnson, the Johnson house. <laughs> I love that. You know, the, the, the other quirky little saying used to be that if you could find HR here, you could have a job <laughs> because HR used to be in the Johnson house. And the oh, only see? way you can get there is through the basement. Yeah, I can't believe when I first started working here, I had to go to HR and I remember going through the basement thinking, what the heck? Where am I right now? Mm-hmm. It's classic. scary, especially when you're down there by yourself. It's yeah, like shout out to all the people hallways. still in Johnson House because there <laughs> yeah, are people who is over, still there. over there. There's a miscellaneous crew. I think there's some IT folks still working gotcha. out of there. And we've, I think the Care Nav team has their offices over there. And some of our PEDS outpatient departments have some 
non-clinical offices over there. So it will forever be known as the Howard Johnson now. I love it. <laughs> Remember, I love you it. showed me some new places in the basement. I think it was around Christmas time. Really? when uh, I think the guys were having a little potluck or something over there. Uh-huh. And you, you were like, hey, come in. Let's go grab something and talk yeah. to the guys. It was awesome. Yeah, the facility, the old facilities department. Yes. Yeah, down in, in Legacy. Yeah, the basement's an interesting place, isn't it? <laughs> Easy to get lost in. Yeah, especially when it what goes from like the legacy to Ren to Jen, mm-hmm. and you kind of just kind of zigzag all the way through. Yeah. Your recent mother, how's yeah. Pearl Jean? Oh my gosh, you guys, she's so sweet. What a what a bomb that went <laughs> off in my life six months ago. I was woefully underprepared, but it's the best thing in the entire world. She's so sweet. Six months? Has it been six months? It's been six months. Wow. Yeah. She sits up. She eats. She fake cries. She's dramatic. She's already doing that. <laughs> Gets that okay. from her dad, Of course. John. Of yes. course. Yeah, she's the best. Absolutely so sweet. But what a life changer for sure. I say I always sleep like a baby, right? Wake up every two hours and cry. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Yeah, I don't know. I got to knock on wood in here somewhere, but I got a I got a good sleeper. I don't oh, know. That's how well, that's awesome. the trick baby. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> the first one's always the trick baby. And you're like, I want another, and then that's the hellion. Yeah, I I, I have one. So maybe I'll stick to one. I don't no, know. No, you should. You should. It, it'll balance out eventually because you know Addison's a teenager now, and Colton is seven, and she's turning into my hellion, and he's leveling off, but. I will say the first baby is always the trick baby because there's like, they sleep, they're perfect, and they make you want to have another one right away. See, you know, I'm talking to two people here who have more than one child. I can't fathom having enough room in my heart oh. to love something oh, else. Oh, you will. You know, It'll I grow. just, I don't, I feel like I will explode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, you do, you find it. Yeah. Your heart will grow. There'll be plenty of room. Don't worry. It's just, it's so awesome. She's I always so remember sweet. When my first one, when we'd come back and forth from Cincinnati and he'd start crying or something, my wife would make me pull over the car and we'd have to check him and see if he needed changing and everything else. And then we're bringing the second one up from Cincinnati and he'd start crying and we'd reach around and just put the pacifier in his mouth. Yeah. And by the third one, <laughs> he'd start crying. We'd be like, do you hear something? <laughs> <laughs> just keep going. So that's the progression as a parent. Yeah. Don't judge. Yeah. So are there any like new projects going on at Toledo? I know that you, there's like, you know, a lot of square footage as you mentioned, but it seems like there's always a new project coming up Mm -hmm. or someone's working on the parking garage or (laughs) what's going on there? What's up and new and coming? Yeah. So parking garage work continues. Those garages both were in desperate need of repair. So we got through the P5 garage pretty swiftly, which was great. Did some repairs there. Working through P2, that will probably be going on for the next few months, at least through the end of the year, I would suspect. But appreciate everyone's patience on that because they need to be addressed, right? I mean, they think that one was built in the 80s, and so it's time. You know, from inside the campus, always things going on. We are starting to embark on a new master planning process for the campus. So you think about the plot of land we sit on, right? You know, we talked about moving over here in 1930 in a farm field, but really the land that we own is a postage stamp. So there's not much room to expand. We are squeezed in here tight. Right, right. So, you know, that means we just have to be really strategic about just physical footprint and what we have on this campus. So going to start to embark on a new master plan. The last time we did a master plan, the generations building was the end of that master plan, really. And so we we fulfilled that plan. So it's time for us to take a second look at that. 
I think what we'll see with that is just, you know, do we have the right complement of services on this campus? Do we need to expand anything? Do we need to move anything? And then do we need additional square footage anywhere? Does anything need to be built on? Does anything need to be upgraded? So I'm going to start to look at those kind of things coming up here soon. You mentioned previously uh, in a a conversation we had about Generations Tower that when we were trying to build a Generations Tower, you had to have some conversations with people that lived in the area. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to... Yeah. So, yeah. So one of my first, well, can I talk about just like my background here? Yeah. I I was going to ask that about how you got to Prometica. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get into operations? Because you started down in corporate. Yeah. So this is actually a really interesting, well, it might not be interesting to some people, but it's funny, right? So I am from Perrysburg. I grew up in the Toledo area, went to Ohio State for undergrad and applied to get my master's in healthcare administration and wanted to go to Ohio State for grad school so bad and got denied from the Ohio State Master's of Healthcare Administration program, which was just devastating to me at the time, right? Because John and I were dating, but it worked out. It's fine. (laughs) So I got into Minnesota which is a really good program. And so to this day, I still don't know why they let me in, but it worked out well. And when I was graduating from Minnesota, there is a really tight alumni network through that program at Minnesota. They only take about 30 students a year into that program. So the alumni network is just really close, really tight and really engaged in the program. So I got on the the site, the alumni site one day and looked up like alumni in Toledo, Ohio. Uh And two names popped up. And I emailed both of them, and one one never responded to me. And the second one emailed me back about 10 minutes later and said- Which is his MO. (laughs) Correct, right? (laughs) Randy Ostro went to the University of Minnesota in the same program. And so he responded to me and said, your note is so timely. You know, I'm looking to hire a fellow, would love to meet you. And they flew me home the next week, and I met with the executive team at the time, which was Randy, Kevin Webb, Arturo, Karen Strauss, Dr. Hammerling, and I think Alan Sattler. I think I interviewed with Alan, mm-hmm. too. And they offered me a position as a fellow. I mean, well, he, what is a, when you say fellow, like, what is that? Because we've talked about fellows here from, like, the medical perspective. What, yeah. What kind, Did a podcast on a fellow. Yeah. Yeah, so a fellow, I, I, you know, it's it's very similar to a medical fellow, right? Which is just not a not a medical degree. So really, it's like an advanced internship, right? It's okay. a, it's a continued training. So I did a year as a fellow, and I worked with actually it was I worked with Arturo mostly on the acute care side, but was able to engage in in some unique opportunities and sit in on a lot of our executive team meetings and get exposure to just things all around the system. I spent every month in a different business line, really. So was with Arturo mostly, but then would spend time with finance. And, you know, I spent time with uh, acute care and spent time with post-acute and over at Paramount and, you know, just a whole bunch of different things that you wouldn't normally get as right. an employee, right? Right. Which was such a phenomenal experience because I came out of the fellowship knowing so many people in the organization, which is unique as a new employee. Sometimes you don't know that many people, right? And like, I think that's part of part of the challenge of coming into an organization this large is just figuring out who's who and where Mm -hmm. to go for things. And so I had that benefit coming out of the fellowship into a role. So when I ended the fellowship, which was a year program, we had just started to kick off the downtown headquarters project. And we had just hired Robin Whitney. I talked to her. I was my final rotation in the fellowship was with Robin. And um, I was talking to her about, you know, I love this is such a cool project. You know, she really did need a somewhat of a project manager on the internal move for the campus or for the downtown headquarters campus. Came onto that team and worked closely with Robin and Jeff Kuhn for a while to get the headquarters up and going. 
And when we opened the headquarters, I moved into a role in the governance office. So goodness, I think about four or five years, I worked with our boards throughout the system, which was just another really unique opportunity. I managed all of the boards, which was about... Uh, I used to know all these facts oh. right off the top of my head. <laughs> There's a lot of boards. A lot of <laughs> boards. I think we had over 40 boards. Actually, we had over 50 boards when I started and over 500 board members. And yeah. over the four or five years that I was in that role, we restructured a few times, right? The organization grew and so so did our governance. It changed, right? And so we had we reduced the number of boards over those years and also reduced the number of trustees. But I think when I ended, we had about three, maybe 350 trustees and 35 to 40 boards. That was a super unique opportunity. Did that for a while and then took a role over here in acute care, which has been phenomenal and I enjoy it every single day. It's just something new every day. It's interesting. We were doing a recap, I remember, with HKS after like we'd been in generations a year, what's working, what's not. And Arturo was there and he was telling a cool story about how at one meeting they were looking at the building and Randy just kind of pivoted at 90 degrees. And if you think about it, that's one of the great things, I think, about that tower and seeing the campus from the highway. Mm-hmm. You know, it really has an impressive look to it. It is a beautiful it. building when you drive up. It really is. And I was like, wow, what vision to kind of do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the glass is stunning, isn't it? It is. I don't know Guardian if you guys... glass. Yeah. Is it Guardian glass? Guardian glass. I'm sure Rusty it is. Rusty Bites Company. Oh, yes. I love it. I don't know if you noticed this morning, but we did. We took the hero sign down. I don't know if you saw that coming in. I didn't in. notice it. I, I noticed it when it was up. I didn't notice it was gone. Yeah, today. we put that up at the beginning of COVID, obviously, to honor all of our employees and caregivers. And, you know, th- those things only have like a six-month lifespan on them. And ours has been up for two years now. So it was starting to peel down and get a little sketchy. So we took that down yesterday, and we are, we're going to be replacing it with uh, some artwork, actually. So that's going to go up next week and it'll be fun. Just something different, certainly. So we'll be able to see that from the highway and Mm -hmm. I think it'll be interesting. Speaking of the Gen Tower, like, are there plans for the empty four floors? Not at this time. I mean, you know, as our volume continues to grow or we expand services, I'm sure that there will be discussion about it. But at this point in time, we're not, there's no active planning going on to build those out as inpatient units. Never say never though, right? We built four floors to be able to expand and the hope is to do that at some point. I don't know that we're in the position at this exact moment in time to, to do that. Oh, can't staff them. Yeah. That's right. the other issue right now because we've talked about it even with COVID surge. That Not that we could do it that quick, but staffing is what concerns us, at least right now. I know that'll hopefully solve itself moving forward. It's got to, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Have you... I, I know you've been up there. Have you been up to the top floor? It, the view's well, amazing. Well, I think mm-hmm. early on, before we opened the Gen Tower, we, I did go up there. Okay. So it is a Pretty spectacular impressive. view. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. You go up there and it's so large, right? The floor plan is just huge. And when we planned for that building, we sh- we shelled them out, right? But we put in all the plumbing and all of, you know, at least the pipes and the connection so that when we do decide to build them out, it, it will be an easy an easy construction. Well, I say easy, but I'm sure our construction people listening are like, okay, Liz. But <laughs> it should be pretty simple and it will be the same layout as the other other floors in the building. So just we'll continue that. I think it was cool how they kind of built Generations Tower as far as doing a lot of that stuff. Was plumbing and electrical, or they assembled it off-site and then brought it on-site and installed it, almost like a module. And they I, talked I don't about, know that. So they were, uh, one of the construction guys was telling me that, and they were saying, yeah, it's great because then the, the workers could assemble it on a table as opposed to trying to do it above their head when they're installing it in a ceiling. 
So they were able to probably better for them from an occupational therapy perspective, right? Ergonomics, yeah. Yeah, ergonomics, thank you. That's better. (laughs) Much better, my vocabulary. Uh, And then obviously, you know, they had all the inspections and all that done and they came here and just plopped stuff in. So it was kind of cool. Yeah. You know, generations, I I take zero credit for the generations building at all, right? I Like Christy, I kind of came in at the end there and helped get the team in, but the build and all of that stuff, I had nothing to do with. So I take zero credit for it. It's beautiful. It's it's phenomenal. But I will take zero credit for any of that. I just have to put that out there. <laughs> well, the move-in went unbelievably well, too. You talk about right, a well-orchestrated machine. Yes. That's right. We had a great team that yeah, kind of, I think well, all of us that did the move-in were kind of handed it at the tail mm-hmm. end and was like, here you go yep. and figure it out. And it worked out yeah. well. Oh. I think it was pretty smooth. You yeah. guys knocked it out of the park. I mean, it was like I said, it was well strategically oiled well-oiled and aligned. Yeah. Yes. There was a lot of planning just on how to, like, if we're transferring patients here, how do we get to there mm-hmm. and take the least amount of elevators as possible? We had people stationed at the elevator mm-hmm. to turn it with a key and everything just to kind of, like, make sure that everything ran smoothly. We had walkie-talkies. Yeah. Everybody Epic. got uh, code names yeah. the day of the move. We can't repeat those, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's rated G podcast here, right? That's right. Okay. <laughs> they weren't bad. They were just funny. Funny. We just, you know, we told we people we wouldn't We had to have some share. fun. Yeah. It was a stressful thing, so we had to put some fun in it. But. Yeah. It, it did. It went beautifully. And, you know, I think back on that, and I feel like we had such camaraderie around that move. People were so excited to get over there. And you just think about the teams that were coming out of our legacy buildings you know, and going oh, back yeah. into generations, how different that was for them. I, you know, we, we just moved out again of CICU and the MICU, but you go in there and you could essentially stand in the middle and touch, you know, touch every room around you. If you just stuck your arms out and you think about moving into generations, how different that is for their work and their flow and just right. the operation of the department. But what a beautiful, beautiful new setting for them. When you talk about all the thought that went into the workflow too, and it's amazing because I, I know probably there's some things you look back and go, well, maybe that was a good idea. Maybe it wasn't. And that's some of what we did in that post wrap. But it's amazing uh, how I think everybody really enjoys working over there and the flows they've got figured well, out. Well, just the increased technology between the Navicare, Hill-ROM system mm-hmm. and patient touch and the monitoring and things. So definitely it was able to support a better technology infrastructure. Yeah. You know, we continue, right? I, so we've moved in what? Two and a half years, three and a half years ago. Oh wow! Yeah, probably. Yeah, two thousand and yeah, nineteen. Was yeah. it nine? No, eighteen. Nineteen. Nineteen. Wow, we were only in six months, and then COVID happened. Yeah, I think. Wow, that's probably right. Gosh, time because flies. It was like June of two thousand. I remember writing out the business. The, yeah, you're right. The it was move about guide. Yeah, July twenty nineteen was our July eighteen. July something of twenty nineteen would have been our first move, right? Yeah. Mm, I think it was right. like April. Like we started the first move, and our last move was July. Got it. Okay. Wow, that happens. I, it, the last years are a blur. Yeah, it is definitely flown by with COVID. They run together. Yeah. It you think about like that. We walked out of CCU and MICU and said, see you never. And we're yeah. back pretty quick. But, <laughs> and we but, keep going Oh, yeah. Back. Can you, you get negative about, airflow over there, too? Oh, my gosh. God bless our facilities team. Aren't they awesome? Well, yeah. And that, so that's another thing. Like, when we kept opening Legacy back up, all the work that facilities had to do to make, to, you know, prepare those rooms for patient care and right. safety for the staff. I mean, that Monitors. Was a, Right. Huge yeah, endeavor. you think doors. about that. Not just you know, the doors. <laughs> I know. The CC Sorry. doors. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean yeah. to bring that up, but I'm the, sure that many will chuckle at that. Oh, yeah. I hope. <laughs> 
Yeah. You know, not not only our facilities team, you just think about, you know, we had to rebuild supply rooms, we had to find monitors, our biomed team, IT had to bring everything back over there. But, you know, I think about that. And just I am so grateful. I mean, can you imagine being in a facility of our size, having the amount of patients we do and not having an extra hospital to move into? Oh, I yeah, know. it's pretty right? remarkable. You think about some of the, the places around the country and what they had to do. I saw a real on Instagram recently of a facility in Wisconsin. I, I don't know the name of the hospital, but they were closing their COVID unit down. And quite literally, it looked like the shell floor of generations and they had just set beds up. And mm-hmm. I mean, it was barely even a finished floor. And, and so I just think about how fortunate we are that we just turned around eight months later and went back into places that we were familiar with and that we had access to and could stand up so quickly. I was yeah. giving a tour to one of our new surgeons and, and she had just joined us. She was finishing up her fellowship in Long Island in spring of 2020. And I go, how was that being in New York for COVID, that COVID surge? And she said she, and I think it was family practice doc and an ENT doc ran a 40 bed unit in the interventional radiology waiting room with government issued ventilators. It's insane. And, I mean, yeah, it just obviously you can't deliver the kind of healthcare we do in our units and whatnot. But to your point, we had another hospital to expand into, thank the Lord. So yeah, so we're, we've been very blessed. Yeah, when the National Guard was here and ProLink, so those agency nurses that we got, when they would come for orientation, they literally thought that they were going to be in a tent because it said field hospital only. And we're like, no, we're blessed to have this like extra space to actually, you know, brick and mortar to put our patients in. But they were prepared to work in a tent. And some of the things that they've seen across the country when they've gone to relief hospitals that have been in a surge. So we were lucky to have that space to, you know, expand to. Well, just to toot toot for you guys, you guys did an amazing job with the National Guard. I know we had a great Mm -hmm. podcast, but yeah, I just want to compliment you guys on that. It went not just unbelievably smoothly, but you guys just knocked it out of the park as usual. Thanks. That was our staff development team. They they were awesome to work with. We are very honored to have been able to be a part of that. Weren't they? They were phenomenal. We were not the only ones to think that. They were, you know, deployed around the state and almost every hospital said the same thing. You know, we actually hired a few people from the guard yeah. after yep. after, you know, they you know, formally got out of here, we hired a few people into a, a few different areas. And I think there was similar sentiments around the state of how helpful they were. So ODH and I think OHA have put together kind of a work team of hospitals around Ohio to get together and discuss, you know, what kind of partnership can we have ongoing with the Guard? Can we help with training programs? Can we help, you know, get them into healthcare careers as they're going through their programs? And so I just had the, the first kickoff call for that yesterday with a whole bunch of people. So super exciting stuff going on there. Yeah, that's we had a guy that was on Gen 9, and he's a welder by trade, and he wants to go back to nursing school. Like, after being on that floor for the time that they were here, he was really interested in asking the nurses, like, well, how did you get into it? What programs are good? And interesting going back to a second career of nursing. That was pretty phenomenal. And they loved him. I mean, he was amazing. We had a lot of different areas and departments that were just very complimentary of how much they helped and friendships that people had made and, you know, trying times and some good things come out of it. Yeah. It was awesome, wasn't it? Well yeah. done. Well done. Mm-hmm. Anything else going on with Toledo Hospital? 
gosh. I mean, there's always stuff going on. I'm trying to think, though. Well, you manage a lot, like EVS and materials management. What's going on at Doc 19? So Doc 19, for a long time, we housed Doc 19 here in our old cafeteria. Why is it called Doc 19? That just... Uh, oh, you're the historian? I know. Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm okay. assuming it was a play on COVID-19. Yeah, I, I, I did too, but I didn't know. I didn't want to, um, you know, have any rumors. I wanted to verify that, but... Yeah, I would I would assume that. But yeah, we had that in the old cafeteria for a while. And so that was super helpful, right? That became the central repository of all of our PPE for the systems. Our materials team and actually our performance improvement team took a few months out of their day jobs. Basically, we took them out of performance improvement projects and they ran Doc 19 for us in the height of COVID. Wow. Yeah. And just coordinated the distribution and, you know, getting all of the PPE to anywhere in the system that needed it. So you guys will recall, right, it's burned into our memories when we didn't have enough masks, we didn't have enough gloves, or, you know, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do with gowns. And that team really coordinated how to get stuff in and we're creative with it. You know, I remember days, I think... Didn't you give us a contact? I'm pointing at Dr. Well, Casper. Yeah. Didn't you give us a contact at Ford? Yes. Yeah. And we got, I remember the, well, the big Ford truck coming in with shields one day. Yeah, and we was, were so excited about it. Yeah. It was one of my MBA classmates that, yeah, that we connected with and they kind of brought that down. And there was a local company too that uh, we were looking at, we were running out of Capper face shields. Oh yeah. They were going to 3D print them, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and they came in with a couple designs. Yeah. I remember one night taking a few over to uh one of these engineers' houses that lives in my neighborhood. I coached, coached his kid not to get too into the weeds. You guys know I can do that. But yeah, and then he comes back a couple of days later with kind of a mock-up design. He comes to my house one evening, and then a few days after that, they had a pretty decent design that uh, we were ready to 3D print and go, but then Ford came in, which was awesome. Yeah. It was crazy times. Gosh, Wasn't you think it? back. I'm like, how'd we do that? Yeah, I know. I, I just, we were trying to source stuff. I say we, our supply chain team. Did a phenomenal job just trying to source from all over the place. I mean, all over the world. I remember one day we were, I think we were expecting a shipment of N95s or maybe it was surgical masks. I can't even remember what it was, but it was on a ship in the Atlantic Ocean and it got stuck out there. And we were expecting them in two days. And, you know, the whole the communication was like, our ship is stuck and we're not going to get them. And you just think back on that stuff. And it's like, oh, my gosh, like what phenomenal work our team was doing to try to help everybody. Oh, I remember one night. Hope he's not going to get mad for me using his name, but Dan calls me. It's like a Saturday night and he's got uh, two sons and he knows I've got three and he goes, Hey, we're getting a big shipment of masks into Toledo Express. Can you get your boys and come out and help us get them off the plane and load them on the truck? And we get them out and it was supposed to be like, I don't know, 400,000 masks or something. And it ends up being like 40,000. And I said, and and we pulled them out and the quality of the masks were not what we're accustomed Mm to. And I just said, it was like Dan opening up his Christmas morning toy and it broke. I, he looked, he was so <laughs> deflated and he just looked at me and he goes, he goes, this is just so hard right now because people sell you things that aren't real. And yeah, but yeah, just crazy times. Yeah, it was. But you know, that's just, I, I feel like that. Yeah. I've never heard that story, but it, it just speaks to, you know, the quality of people we have working for us. Right. Dan's out there on the runway yeah. of Toledo Express trying to unpack masks on a Saturday for, night. Right. For our caregivers. And and is, you know, genuinely upset because they're not what we expected. It's That's exactly we right. have phenomenal people that did phenomenal things during that. And, you know, we're so fortunate to have so many of those people working here. We are. Everybody stood up, that's for sure. Which we always do. That's yeah, what we always, always say, right? Yeah. If not us, then who? Hey, you two were talking about Toledo Hospital has an archivist. Yeah. <laughs> Where? Okay, Toledo Hospital is going to be 100 years old soon, right? So there's a lot of stuff here. And there's a lot of really cool 
historical things that have happened at Toledo Hospital. Don't ask me what, because I'm saying that now and I can't think of any of like the first that we've done. Maybe Dr. Casper knows some, but I know that there's a lot of really cool things that we've done here. And we have an archivist that keeps track of all of that stuff. So down on the first floor of Legacy, South Legacy, there is a small little room that I just, I happened on it a few weeks ago, opened it up and it is full of old pictures and original logs, like patient logs from the 1920s and even earlier than that. We have a full-time archivist on staff that keeps track of all of these things for the system. But obviously, the things at ProMedica Toledo Hospital, there are many more of them than any of the other facilities, right? Just because of the sheer size of the facility. We've had one on staff actually for many, many years. I think since maybe the 70s or 80s. It was a, a lady named Joanna Russ. And she was with us through 2000 and I think 17. She retired. I believe she actually went to Croxton and was a nurse. Wow. And then came back and worked for us as an archivist. Retired in 2017. And then a gentleman named Richard now is our full-time archivist, works downtown with our marketing teams, but works with every facility in the system. He manages, you know, that room downstairs with all of the little goodies in it. And it's so interesting, you guys. I mean, I'm kind of a history nerd, especially when it's like, you know, history that you know and you're close to. I went in there one day, I just happened upon this room, and there are every single Croxton yearbook is in there from from forever. I can't even, I don't know when Croxton opened, but every single one of them's in there. All of like minutes from, from you know, medical med staff committees and quality committees and the board of trustees from, you know, before the North Cove um, facility was even built in the 1920s, late 1920s. So super, super cool. You know, there's also all of the patient registration logs. So they're all handwritten, right? Imagine a, a book that's probably, I don't know, how big is this? A foot and a half long, right? And probably five, six inches thick. And it is every single page is just handwritten in beautiful wow. penmanship. It looks the exact have, same. Must have been the same lady every single day. Couldn't have been a doctor then. Right? No, I no. couldn't have not been a doctor. <laughs> I would love to go down there and see that stuff. I love, I'm oh. a history buff too. Anytime you want to go, I'm in for a trip. I All love right. giving tours of this little room. It's not my room to give tours <laughs> of. I tell Richard every time I promise I won't touch anything or break anything that shouldn't be touched. But yeah, you know, you open these books up and it's so funny. It's, you know, the, the information that they put in there was so limited then you think about all of the information we have on our patients and the stuff that we chart in Epic and, you know, double identifiers and all these things that we do. And you open these books up and it's like the date, the physician, the room number, and the name of the patient. Oh, that's it. Right. And it's not even the full name of the patient. It would just say like, you know, Miss Stillwell. That's it. It's just absolutely phenomenal to think about. There was an original surgery log down there, which was really, really cool to open it on the front of it, it said 1907 to 1910. And very similarly to the registration book, right? You open it up and it, there's very limited information. And the last column was like, did it go well or not? Yes or no? <laughs> and that's about it. It's so fascinating. So fascinating. Well, when you talk about, you know, us being an anchor institution and then looking back at something like that and how ingrained we are into the community and like how long we've been here and been, you know, a resource for so many people and it really aligns with our mission. Yeah, absolutely. It is pretty phenomenal. You know, you just go back and you through that stuff and you're like, you know, everything we've done for this community, the people that have been here, you recognize the names that were prominent figures in the Toledo community worked here, were invested here, were on our board. You just, you know, you, you see the names, the C-Cores and DeVilbis and, you mm-hmm. know, all those things that you 
that you hear throughout the city, you know, they were connected to Toledo Hospital in some way. This is this really is an institution that is built on our community and oh, has been invested sure. in it from the beginning. So phenomenal. If you guys want to check it out, I, I would love to take people down there to look yeah, at this stuff. Really super cool. When I found that room, I, you know, I went on a, a chase to find our new archivist because I knew Joanna and I knew she had retired, but I hadn't met Richard yet. So I did. I met with Richard a few weeks ago and Val Thompson, who works down in our oh, marketing yeah. department and a few people from Toledo Hospital. And we've started just a small little committee and we're going to we're going to start to do some little exhibitions between the generations and Renaissance Lobby. Um, to oh, display yeah. some of this stuff. Oh, what That's a great super idea. cool. Yeah. 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 It'd be cool to do that during like hospital weeks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like kind of highlight some of that stuff. Yeah. It's just really fun. I think people will find it really interesting. We're going to put some pictures out, some old stuff and put it out there for people to see and to look at and change it out. Right. It's not doing anything sitting in that right. room. No. Right. Share it. Are you involved at all with the Toledo Public School healthcare worker school that we have developing with Promotica? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so TPS is starting a magnet facility, a pre-medical high school, which is super exciting for our community. They are aiming to open that facility, I believe, in August of this year. They're going to start with a freshman class, and then the following year they'll have a freshman sophomore, and they're going to add on that way. So we're working through right now just some programming and, you know, what is their, what are their education parameters going to be, right? Are they going to be over on this campus? You know, how often? Are they going to be shadowing? Are they going to be taking um, courses, you know, from our staff, physicians, nurses, physical therapists, you know, what have you. How are we going to be engaged in that? We're still working through some of the specific details, but I would, I would expect to see some of those, those folks on our campus in the next few years. I'm not sure exactly what capacity if they, you know, if they're going to be here a hundred percent of the time, or if they're going to be here, you know, for lectures and such and some hands-on experience, but really exciting for our community. And I know that the last well, really meeting, exciting for just healthcare to have people in high yeah. school starting off with that, you know, what a great opportunity if you're interested in that to have somewhere to learn more about what you want to do. Because a lot of people, you know, they they think about healthcare and they think about nursing or physician, they don't think about radiology and, you know, what it takes to be get materials and central supply and surgical techs and all those different types of healthcare job opportunities that are out there. Yeah. I think we might have talked about this in our first podcast when you and I were just getting, you know, to know each other. And because I got interested in medicine because I volunteered here in high school in the really? emergency room. And that's a great place, too, because mm-hmm. you see a lot. But yeah, I think I was a sophomore in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to impress a girl, I think I told you. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I think it, it's going to be a phenomenal pipeline for us, too. For sure. Right. It, just to get these kids interested and get them in the door ahead of time. I can tell you, at least from, from a med school perspective, right, it's such a long road. Four years of college, four years of med school. Then you have residency and whatnot. And a lot of times you're not getting any clinical exposure until those last two years of med school. So mm-hmm. having that in high school will really help you, I think, set the tone if it's something you truly want to commit to and do. Yeah. And when I was in nursing school, there was a lot of people on our first day that were not there within six weeks because they were like, this is not what I signed up for. Right. Right. They didn't know. Yeah. yeah, That's just some of the exposure and, you know, different opportunities that are out there for these kids that we need to start growing our own. And, you know, we're retiring and I have a lot of open positions as it is. (laughs) We have a lot of open positions. The last meeting that we had with the TPS team, I believe they were almost fully enrolled. So I think they almost have the entire class, freshman class filled at this point. I heard that it was like 72 seats. Does that sound about right? Yeah. 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 About that. How cool is that though? That Promotica is a part of that. 
And again, that anchor institution, mm-hmm. community involvement, and being part of history. We do a lot of good things. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to spend with us and share with our listeners things mm-hmm. that are going on. And we love to have people like this on the podcast and kind of keep it going and keep it interesting. So we learned a lot of new things today. We did. Thanks, Liz. Thank, thank you, Liz. you, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Ratings and comments on those platforms will help us grow the podcast, and we appreciate the boost. Take Take care. care.